is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, hey, welcome in to another edition of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Uh, we are recording this a little early um, in preparation for Monday's college football playoff title game between the Alabama Crimson Tide. So I mean, it was a no-brainer that we were going to have a return guest, and we are uh, pleased to welcome back Kevin Noon, publisher Managing Editor of BuckeyeGrove.com, part of the Rivals Network. Kevin, I know you're extremely busy, so I appreciate you carving out some time for me. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. All right, so let's just jump right into it. Before we touch on the title game, give me your honest, I guess, pregame thoughts assessment going into that semifinal game against Clemson because, look, I, I... it had nothing to do with Ohio State, but I fully anticipated Clemson handling the Buckeyes and getting to the title game once again. If I'm being honest, I was completely shocked at not just that Ohio State won, but just the way that they did it because they absolutely manhandled Clemson. I'm not shocked that Ohio State put up 49 points. I'm more shocked that Clemson only put up 28. Um, I, yeah. I picked Ohio State to win the game, but... That could have been a business decision just to keep the uh, the the home the home crowd happy. Um, you know, I don't know. I I guess it's easy to look back with uh, with a gift of hindsight and whatnot. I, I certainly, as I get ready to cover a game of that magnitude, about an hour before the game, I start going through the all right. How am I going to pacify the community if this thing goes goes south in a hurry or whatever? So. And I'm going through that, and then Ohio State on the you know on the first on Clemson's first drive, uh, the Tigers move it down the field with relative ease, and then Ohio State's a three and out, and then Clemson starts moving the ball again. I'm just like, oh boy, here we go. And um, yeah, I, I thought Ohio State certainly had it in it, but you know the Buckeyes were zero and four against the Tigers going into that game, which certainly doesn't bode well. You know, what happened in 1978 has zero bearing as to what happens January 1st, 2021. Uh, But, you know, I I think that the biggest thing I'm going to take away from the game is going to less be about the surprise and more about just some of the individual performances that we saw on the field that night in New Orleans. I, you know, it's it's funny because, like I said, it was in no way diminishing what Ohio State had done all year and it it wasn't an indictment of them not being good enough to beat Clemson, but just Clemson has always 
been able to handle the big moment. And I, I thought Ohio State's team last year was the best team in college football, and Clemson upset them, in my opinion, in, in the semifinal. And, you know, I think that that was huge in this game. A lot of, uh, a lot of motivation, a lot of, uh, you know, I, I think you could probably say a lot of guys were playing a little chip on the shoulder, playing a little angry. I think Justin Fields really wanted that one, as was evident with him after taking that huge shot and staying in. And I mean, 385 for six touchdowns against Brent Venables. I mean, that's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and then, I mean, no master Teague, no problem. Trey Sermon runs for damn near 200 and a touchdown. I mean, it was, it was, it was shocking to watch unfold. I, I was, you know, it was more of, like you said, how Clemson didn't score and they kind of looked out of sorts at times. Yeah, they did. Ohio State certainly took away the run with Clemson only rushing for 44 yards in the game. There wasn't a case of Trevor Lawrence, the runner out there. Travis Etienne wasn't much of a runner either. Yeah, Clemson did throw for 400 yards, but a lot of that yardage came with the Tigers down uh, three scores. So, you know, I think Ohio State was able to impose its will. And after, you know, after the Tigers went uh, touchdown, three and out, touchdown, it was it was a minute before Clemson was able to score again. In fact, all the way into the second half, and um, Ohio State's defense had a, had a really good plan. They executed very well, and um, yeah, it's easy to sit there and and focus in on well. Sean Wade didn't do this. Cornerback Sean Wade didn't do this on this play, and uh, you know they you know the the safety didn't you know didn't do this here. Or linebacker Baron Browning took a horrible angle there, but you know all in all for Ohio State to hold that type of offense and you know arguably one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in in quite some time in college football and Trevor Lawrence to you know maybe lesser production values than what we would have expected is a uh, you know it, it's a big deal it certainly you know it certainly validates uh, the stink that everybody tried to put on Ohio State after a, a way too close game against Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I mentioned Trey Sermon and, you know, it's wild that that game was, was pretty close and he ran for 300 yards. Um, that was just, uh, you know, he had been somewhat splitting carries with Teague all year. He didn't, he wasn't really the feature back, but, uh, he's certainly going to be the feature back, I believe in the, in the game on Monday night. So as we turn our attention to this game, I'm, I'm intrigued to, to hear your thoughts on this because everybody is going to just fawn over the juggernaut that Alabama is. And for good reason. They're, they're very good. The offense is explosive. It's electric. Um, the defense has gotten better throughout the year. Um, but And I don't know how much you know about Justin Fields' health. If, if there was no question and he was 100%, I would be inclined to give not only Ohio State a chance to cover, but I think that they could play with this Alabama team as physical as they were at the line of scrimmage against Clemson and as good of a running back as Sermon is and Fields, you know, they, they didn't really do a whole lot of zone read stuff. He, he kind of just sat back there and picked Clemson apart. I think that they have a real shot, even though he might be a little banged up. I think they still have a, a really, really good shot in this game to uh, really make Nick Saban nervous on Monday. Absolutely. And yeah, we don't have a full read on, on Justin Fields, how the coaches may not have a full read. I mean, you have to trust your players to sit there and be honest with you, but 
it's not like you can hook him up to a machine and, and you know, see, oh, well, he's 83.4% healthy. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't know at that point. So, I mean, it's really kind of the information that he relays back or whatnot, but, um, you know, I, I will. Will he be hurting? Sure. Do you play a game like that Clemson game and come out unscathed? No, you don't. And yes, the hit he took from James Skalski probably turned his insides into ground beef. I mean, it was it was a vicious hit with you know with a you know it's it's spearing every 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 bit of it. But uh, you know, you just get on and and go forward. And you know, we've heard that it wasn't necessarily quote unquote like structural damage, whether or not you. You, you parlay that into broken ribs or whatever, but he's going to be sore. And you do kind of have to wonder what his availability as a runner will be in the game. But, you know, I we saw him torquing up and throwing 60-yard passes. And, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't getting in the way of his ability to throw the ball. And, yes, he was hopped up on adrenaline and whatever shot they gave him in the injury tent or whatever, and this is kind of a different situation. But uh, you know, I, I think that you know Ohio State's chances are gonna are gonna rise and fall with the availability and just how good Justin Fields is gonna be able to be in that game. And you know, I, I don't think that even Justin Fields is going to know until he gets hit the first time in the game. Truly, just where everything's gonna be at. Yeah, I mentioned the lack of zone read and, you know, design runs for fields. But if you, in my opinion, the two games where Alabama was tested the most this season, the early game against Ole Miss where they gave up 48 points and 647 total yards, and then the SEC championship game against Florida, in those two games, there really weren't a ton of design runs or zone read concepts. It was mostly up-tempo keeping that defense on their heels and throwing the ball downfield. And you know, as well as I do, that that seems to be the recipe for beating a Nick Saban defense is being able to stretch the field vertically and mixing in some mobility at the quarterback position. But I mean, Matt Corral and Kyle Trash, the two quarterbacks that tested Alabama's defense the most this season were pretty lethal throwing the ball downfield. And like you said, fields showed no signs of, of that affecting him in that game. Now, you know, time has passed, bruises get sore, you get a little achy. Um, I will be interested to see if he can still do that because yeah, that throw that he made to Chris Olave was, was tremendous. I mean, that was an NFL throw. Um, so that's, that's my thing that just keeps giving me pause because I know Alabama, you know, they have the Heisman winner and Devonte Smith and he's been tremendous all year. Najee Harris is kind of a guy that almost gets forgotten. Um, but this Ohio State defense is super physical. And then you mentioned Sean Wade earlier. I think he's going to be as motivated as anybody to go up with uh, Devontae Smith one-on-one and, and try to shut him down as well as the defense trying to keep Mac Jones in check. Yeah, exactly. And if we go back to the last time Ohio State beat Alabama, which was the last meeting in 2014, they were with the third-string quarterback in Cardale Jones who – Honestly, Cardell Jones only had the downfield pass. He everything he threw was outside of the numbers and deep. And then, of course, they had a guy named Oh, what was his name again? Oh, Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott uh, running the yeah. ball. Um, so once again, in a diff- obviously different personnel, but we see the same formula there in terms of what they're able to do. And this Ohio State team does throw 
a lot of second and third level passes. I mean, they, they, you know, they do some underneath stuff if that's what's available, but they like, you know, they like running those nine routes. They like running, you know, running, running things out to, you know, out to the edges or whatever. And, you know, rightfully or wrongfully, Justin Fields does not really show any fear out there when it comes to any throw out there being made. And, uh, you know, he's been a little more mortal this year than he was last year in terms of the interceptions. But, uh, you know, unless he's severely hampered, Ryan Day and the offensive staff certainly have full faith in him running the full offense. And that's going to be a combination of of pounding the ball with Trey Sermon and then just letting guys like uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson get out there and run wild. Another thing that I was thinking about earlier, these title games tend to bring out some some no-name guys that kind of come out of nowhere and, and make plays. Um, you know, he wasn't really a no-name guy, but he was very underwhelming throughout his career. And, you know, a guy like O.J. Howard came up big in a title game. Um, is there any particular guy that jumps out to you? Not necessarily no name, but just someone that's not getting a ton of headlines. I kind of have my guy picked out. I'm interested to to see if you if you have. It, it could be defense too, but just you know, either a player on either side of the ball that you think might step up big, whether that be in you know someone's absence due to injury or just someone that has flown under the radar or hasn't really done much. Well, I think I can. I'll I'll try name one on each side of the ball, and I think on offense, I probably have two to be quite honest. And the first one will be Jamison Williams, uh, number six, another wide receiver for the Buckeyes. He had a touchdown, the final touchdown for Ohio State, that got him their forty eighth up to forty eight points before point pending. Um, he's the fastest receiver that they have. So much attention is put on two and five, you know, with Olave and Wilson. And I think that while uh, while defenders put so much attention on them, I think Justin Fields put so much attention on them too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's going to be the opportunity when they're out there three wide that uh, somebody like a like a Jamison Williams will be able to run past the the Bama secondary and be able to be available for those big shots. And then the other player, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to name a position group, and it's going to be the tight end position of uh, Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert and. Ohio State went three games without a tight end reception before the Clemson game, and then lo and behold, they have five receptions, three touchdowns against the Tigers. You know, you you look at that and say, Alabama is absolutely going to be aware of the tight end position. It's not like they're going to forget about them. Well, tr- truth be told, it wasn't that Clemson was just completely unaware of them. It was just the way that things were schemed up, that tight ends were wide open. I mean, you just can't. You can't cover everybody all the time, one hundred, you know, one hundred percent. And I think that the tight end position will be there for Ohio State, especially if some of the longer stuff, some of the double moves or whatever, need some time to percolate. And you know, Ohio State needs to do some dump offs. On, on the other side of the ball, I'm going to go with defensive end Jonathan Cooper. Um, you know, Ohio State's defensive line played very well. Coop is a player who uh, could have left after last year, a really injury-plagued season, made the decision he was going to come back for one more run, did not get to play in the Clemson game, which ended up being Ohio State's final game of the season. He is not, you know, Ohio State doesn't have a Bosa or a Chase Young right now, but I think Jonathan Cooper knowing one way or the other, win or lose, this is the last one. I think he empties the bucket, and I think that he uh, he certainly could have a big game going up against 
I mean, according to the Joe Moore, the Joe Moore Award people, the best offensive line in the nation with the Crimson Tide. I'm right there with you at the tight end position. That was going to be who I was going to mention with Ruckert and Farrell. Um, going back to those two games where this Alabama defense was tested the most, um, Kenny Oboa at Ole Miss had seven catches for 181, and then Kyle Pitts had seven for 129. So um, those those linebackers for Bama, and, and look, Kyle Pitts is a is a different dude. He he kind of does a little everything, um, splitting out wide as a receiver. Um, but they've had their struggles uh, covering downfield, and it looks like tight end is probably where you can make some hay there. And, you know, Ruckert's a guy that is is more than capable of splitting out and and, and not just being a typical hand-in-the-dirt tight end. Um, all right, so I, we'll shift to talk recruiting here for just a moment. Before I do that, I do want to make sure that I remind everybody to uh, make sure to not only follow them on Twitter, but uh, to go and check out their website, American Betting Experts. It's one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the country, uh, and they are a sponsor of this year's podcast. Uh, we've teamed together with them all season long to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. So here's what you do. Um, if you want to go ahead and get some bets in before um, wildcard weekend and before the college football title game on Monday, uh, you're going to need to go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad in the upper right side of the page, and then pick among any of the gaming sites that are illegal in your state. So BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, anything and everything that you want. Click there, sign up, and you can instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 up to $1,000. It's that simple. That's all you got to do. So again, LandryFootball.com, click on the ad upper right side, and then get in on the action with this special offer from American betting experts. All right, Kevin. So it's a recruiting show. So we got to talk a little recruiting. Um, I do want to ask you how much of an impact, I mean, it's, it's almost kind of a question that answers itself, but how much of an impact do you really put on how important it is not only to make it to the title game, but just being in the college football playoff conversation year in year out. I mean, Ohio State recruits at an extremely high level, but just overall, not just with Ryan Day and what they've done, but just overall, how much of a of a how big of a deal is that just in recruiting in general? I mean, you're around that program and you're around some of the top players in the country every single cycle. I mean, is it something that they talk about a ton? Yeah, I think it's very important. I mean, you're generally the kids that you're recruiting are on teams that don't lose a lot. And that's not always the case. That's not saying that every kid that's on a team that wins a state championship is going to get recruited by, you know, the top of the Power Five and that there aren't going to be some kids out there that are going to be on teams that miss the playoffs their junior and senior year that aren't, you know, aren't special. But generally, a lot of these kids are winners, and I guarantee you they all want to win. They all want to win, and winning is important. Now, you know, you do run into the situation of where, you only have 11 on the field at a given time, and there are going to be times that kids are going to have to go elsewhere because there's just not the opportunity or whatnot. Hello, Transfer Portal and all of that. But every everybody that I talk to certainly pays attention to this stuff. And, you know, if Ohio State is able to win the national championship, if they're able to get past Alabama, you certainly don't – you're not – with the early signing period, you don't you, – you won't see a bounce in 21 
you know, and maybe not even so much in 22, but in 23, it's certainly something that you're able to market at that point. But being a, you know, being a, a constant in the college football playoffs certainly is important. If it weren't important, you know, I, I don't think I would hear as much clamoring as I do about going to six, eight or 16 teams because there are a lot of teams that are on the outside looking in. And if we, if we really look at the numbers of who the participants of the college football playoff are, I mean, it's it's a it's a small list. I mean, it really is. With you know, obviously Alabama's there all the time. Clemson's there nearly all the time. Ohio State's been there more often than not. I mean, they're not a lot. You know, there's not a lot of churn that necessarily happens. We've not seen. You know, we we we've we've not seen that. Uh, you know, I don't Iowa make it in terms of me covering the Big Ten or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. you know it's a. You, you, it, people wanted to be more inclusive with that, but you know, back to the importance of the recruiting. Yeah, it's something that's there. You're going to be competing on the biggest stage. You're going to be competing for, you know, the biggest of trophies or whatever. I mean, it's like the only game in town at that point. Well, you know, why not use it if it's the opportunity that you have in front of you? You, have, I mean, recruiting is so competitive. You better, you better use every, you know, every quiver or every every arrow in the quiver. I was. I think the number is seven. Programs have been involved in the playoff uh, since it started, uh, and that's that's pretty wild. That since 2014, uh, there's only been seven that have uh, that have been involved. I mean, that's it. Really, truly shows the the blue bloods and the most consistent winning programs right now. But yeah, I mean, it, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. It's a it's a huge deal. Um, it's certainly a tool. I mean, that's the you know certainly a catapult into the next level. These kids all want to get to the NFL. That's what you're really promoting, especially on Sundays. You see all the, the college teams on Twitter promoting all their players on Sunday. But I mean, you have to you have to expect that the the programs that get to the playoff consistently are also getting their guys to the NFL. So huge deal there. I, I'm glad you brought up the portal. I, I, that was the last thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, I mean, the if you follow uh, the rivals uh, transfer portal. Um, account on Twitter. I mean, that thing has been extremely busy the last couple months. Is this, yeah, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say with, with the COVID year and everybody gets a free year of eligibility. So a lot of guys are having to make decisions where do they want to stay and, and get that free year or do they want to move on and try to find somewhere else? I mean, I think that we're 100% moving into the free agency college football territory. Do you, do you feel the same way? Yes, certainly. I think that it's going to be a case of where you 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 make an overcorrection, which is the way that the transfer rule was written right now, and then I think they're going to have to walk it back a little bit more, and there'll be some pushback. But it's it's tough because we we really are in a free agency period, and you know I I'm old enough that I remember I'm a Dodgers fan and. It was the same infield in L.A. forever with, you know, Garvey, uh, Lopes, Say, and Russell. I mean, the only change there was when they went from Ferguson to Jaeger at catcher, and then Jaeger went to Mike Sosha. Um, So, you know, I sit there and I watch baseball now, and as, you know, as we're recording this, uh, you know, the Indians make a big move and dump off a lot of salary to the Mets, and they, you know, they get a, a bag of magic beans back and, you know, probably won't turn into a beanstalk that'll lead them to a, a better future or whatever. So, you know, I'm, I'm pro athlete. I want these kids to have the best opportunity that they can. But I also know that when they get that third uncle in their ear 
telling them, hey, you need to go after a season when they haven't necessarily given it a shot. I don't know if that's a great situation. And I think what's going to happen is, is we're going to get to a point of where they're going to be kids who are going to fall through the cracks, who are going to transfer from a decent opportunity and not find an opportunity on the other end of the rainbow. And then that's the that's the worst case of, of, of the worst case scenario when you have these kids who are getting a chance to not only better themselves, but you know, hopefully better the situations of their families and everything else, who you know, listen to some bad advice, jump into the portal, and then don't find a landing spot and, and miss the opportunity to get an education on, on an athletic scholarship and everything else. But, uh, you know, Ohio State's a school that hasn't necessarily had a, a lot of transfers out by way of the portal. They did lose Mookie Cooper, a receiver out of the greater St. Louis area, who's now at Missouri. Um, obviously, Ohio State has done well with the transfer and getting a guy like Trey Sermon, Justin Fields, a couple years ago, Jonah Jackson from Rutgers. Obviously, Ohio State's seen guys transfer out. A guy named Joe Burrow, who may ring a bell for some people, uh, ended up in a good opportunity over there at LSU. But that was, you know, by way of kind of that rare two-year graduate transfer move. Um, but yeah, we certainly are in a free agency situation. And if we ever do get a college football video game back, that you know, there's going to have to be even more people on roster management because numbers of <laughs> players are moving constantly. Yeah, whoever whoever it is that's updating the rosters every year is, is really going to have an undertaking when they're uh, dealing with the portal. And heck, I mean, that might be something they add if they ever do a new game is they add a transfer portal option. Um, <laughs> but, uh, well, Kevin, I... I, I know I need to let you go. I know you're super busy. You got to get ready for Monday again. I can't thank you enough. It was, uh, it was fun to talk to you again and uh, I'll give you some good news. I just checked the weather Monday, in Miami high of 76, low of 63. So enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I completely overpacked for new Orleans. I'm planning on bringing two pairs of swim trunks, a couple of t-shirts and a couple of pairs of shorts and then something nice to wear to the game. And that's it. And then the, and, and flip flops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Hey, if, if you can bottle up some of that warmer weather and send it this way. So, um, well, that's Kevin noon of, um, Ohio state rivals. Again, can't thank him enough for coming on. Um, if you want to check out his stuff, he's at Kevin underscore noon on Twitter. You can follow him and his work at buckeyegrove.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, thanks again. Safe travels. And, uh, Enjoy it. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for Respect My Decision. Thanks again to American betting experts. Take advantage of their promo code and be sure to check out LandryFootball.com for all of the latest. Until next time, we out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.